Hello and welcome to The Quiz Kids from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. Here they are, The Quiz Kids, with the chief quizzer herself, Fran Allison. Quiz Kids, here's your first question. Who is probably very glad now that he changed the color of his socks last winter? While you're thinking that over, I want to tell you that we have the top winners of the Quiz Kids Best Teacher Contest right here in class with us tonight. And I wouldn't be surprised if we could persuade our best teacher of 1951 to take my place at teacher's desk for a while. And do you know what? We also have five stalwart men ready to take over your desks later in the program, Quiz Kids. These men should look very familiar to you children because they are your own fathers. That's right, this is Father's Day, and so your dads are going to be put through a quiz session of their own in a little while. But now, let's get down to roll call. Pat? I am Patrick Owen Conlon. I'm 14 years old and a 1A at Calumet High School in Chicago. Lonnie? I'm Lonnie Lundy. I'm 15 years old, and I'll be a junior at Main Township High School in Park Ridge, Illinois. Naomi? I'm Naomi Cooks. I'm 13 years old, and in 1B at Roosevelt High School in Chicago. Joel? I'm Joel Kupperman. I'm 15 years old, and I'm in 3A at Roosevelt High School in Chicago. And Frankie? I'm Frankie Panda Plug, and I'm six, seven years old, and I'm in 1A at the Mount Vernon School in Chicago, Illinois. Frankie, that, they tell me you suffered a loss in the last few days. Could you tell us a little bit about it? Yes, um, they were both knocked out. The two got loose. I loosened them at a birthday party I went to. And then one got knocked out by a boy at school. And then the other one got loose. And then I knocked that one out with my spoon. And that went down my tummy. But the boy went out under Good. my pillow. And, um... When I woke up in the morning, I found no tooth. I found a dime instead. A dime instead. <laughs> Used to be you could get a quarter, Frankie. See what you could do. <laughs> well, now, uh, back to the first question, and I think Pat was first. I'll oh, give you all a chance. I think that that would probably be Al Zarillo, the Chicago White Sox, who uh, is hitting very well for our White Sox. He was with the Red Sox last year. They were in third place now. And he's with the White Sox this year. They're in first place now. They're three and a half games out in front. Of course, there are some others in that uh, deal. Uh, Dick Littlefield was in it. And, of course, Joe Dobson, too. He's a uh, pitcher for the Sox, and right. he has won five and lost one. Done very well for himself. That's right. Thank you very much, Pat. These trades are getting to be a sore spot with me. <laughs> if, if I had known there was any chance of getting Pat go, I'd have put in a bid myself. <laughs> Well, uh, you answered that one right off the bat, Quiz Kids. And speaking of answers, I have a hunch your fathers would like a chance to answer the poems your mothers wrote about them when they were on the program on Mother's Day. Remember, they wrote on the subject, My Child Takes After His Father. And I must say the ladies took full advantage of the opportunity to express themselves. But now you men folks have your chance. So we'll provide you with paper and pencil. And while the Quiz Kids go on answering questions, we want you to write a little poem on the subject, The Best Way to Get Along with Mother. Now, you, <laughs> can, 
You'd better get started on your poems right away because we'll call for them later in the program. <laughs> and now back to you quiz kids and more questions. Kids, now that your fathers are busily working away, let's turn our attention to some other fathers. Who disinherited his daughter because of the way she expressed her love? Joel? Oh, I believe that was in the uh, Shakespeare's play, King Lear. And King Lear uh, disinherited Cornelia. Cordelia, that is right. All right. What father has a television camera in his daughter's room to see how she is doing every minute of the day? Naomi? Well, I think that's Dick Tracy and his daughter, <laughs> Bonnie Brady. That is correct. And what father told his daughter to hide her pennies in her sock? What father? Naomi? I think that was my father. <laughs> what was the... What was the occasion, Naomi, and uh, what were the results? Well, when I was about three or four, my grandfather gave me, about, gave me five new pennies. And I asked my father what I should do with them. And he, he was kidding me. He said, well, put them away in your sack. And when people save money, they usually put it in their sack. But I thought he meant, well, you're wearing the sack. So I put it in my sack. And we would, went to the zoo, and I limped around all day with the pennies in my sack. <laughs> <laughs> well, you still have them, Naomi? No. Oh, well. <laughs> well, now, we mustn't totally forget the women today, so we're going to have our organist, Helen Morton, play three musical selections that might have brought back memories of events for three <laughs> famous ladies. Let's listen to the first song. <laughs> was the last time I saw Paris. Well, of famous ladies. That is well, right. Well, that could have been a number of people. Maybe Queen Marie Antoinette. <laughs> right. Or maybe the author of Our Hearts Were Young and Gay. I believe they went to Paris. Cornelia Otis Skinner. That's very good. Any other possibilities? Going back to days of uh, Greek uh, mythology, do you think of anyone? Joel, do you think of someone? Oh, that would be Aphrodite, wouldn't it? Uh, who gave uh, Paris... No, it would be Helen of Troy. Helen of Troy. That's very good. They were all fine possibilities. And uh, here's the second song. <laughs> all right, we've established the music. Lonnie? Well, the song is Pistol Pack and Mama. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't know of a offhand of a mama who packed a pistol. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have some ideas. Maybe you'll think of someone, Lonnie. Joel? Oh, I suppose Annie Oakley Annie is Annie Oakley would be a very good one, Pat. Well, there's Dale Evans in the cowboy movies. She packs a gun occasionally, yes, too. Yes, yes, very well she does it, too. All right, here is the third. All right, Lonnie? Well, the song is, I don't want to set the world on fire. All right. Now, who, uh, who might we connect with such a song title? Pat, I think, we, well, Lonnie, did you think of Well, it would be Mrs. O'Leary. Mrs. O'Leary would be a very good one. That's right. Now, many people find it difficult to distinguish a meteor from a comet when they see one or the other flashing across the sky. How could they tell the difference? Frankie? Well, Miss Ellison, a meteor is usually solid particles, while a comet is made out 
A meteor is usually solid, while a comet is maybe little is made out of little particles of gas, and a meteor is solid. And a comet goes around the sun, while a meteor just falls to the earth. And um, meteors are usually out in space, but you can't. I mean, comets are usually out in space, but you can't see a meteor until it gets into the Earth's atmosphere. That's very <laughs> good, Frank. <laughs> uh, Naomi? Well, comets usually have long, gaseous tails that are always turned away from the sun. All right, Lonnie. Well, uh, comets go in a definite ellipse. Uh, around the sun, and meteors are seldom reach any terrific size. And if you were looking up in the sky, you wouldn't c confuse a comet and a meteor because uh, a comet is very bright, and you'll, you'd be able to know that it's a comet. A meteor, as Frankie said, can't be seen until it hits the Earth. All right. Pat? Well, another uh, difference is we get lots more meteors on the Earth here, and we see comets. We've seen Halley Comet. That was very famous, but there are lots of meteors. That's far. very true. Frankie, would you be more comfortable if you took off your hat? <laughs> there. <laughs> there. <laughs> That's good. Or did you want to say something, Frankie? Yes, I, I just thought it out. I think that a comet would be much bigger. Sometimes comets usually are bigger than the Earth, while a meteor you could probably hold in your hand. But some meteors... Uh, um, very big in size, like the one that landed in Arizona, and some you could probably hold in your hand. Well, and we um, we <laughs> do thank you, Frankie, very much. I'm glad you thought it up. In your hand, <laughs> no, not very well. <laughs> well, I know you're all getting anxious to meet the winners in the Quiz Kids Best Teacher Contest, and so we're going to do that right now. First, I want to tell you that there were two runners up whom the judges considered so deserving that they thought they should be given special awards of a trip to South America. These teachers are Mr. Norman E. Hunt of West Hartford, Connecticut, and Miss Ann Payton of Newcastle, Pennsylvania. They'll be flown on Braniff Airways to Lima, Peru, where they'll enjoy a wonderful two weeks vacation. And then Braniff Airways will fly them home again. It sounds like a wonderful trip. And now we're going to meet the two splendid teachers who won the top awards of $2,000 each. First of all, I'm delighted to present the teacher selected as the best teacher of 1951, Sister Mary Edward of Dubuque, Iowa. Thank you, Miss Allison. I'm very happy to be here. Well, we're happy to have you here, Sister Mary Edward, and we're also happy to present the young lady whose excellent teaching has won for her the title of most promising teacher of 1951, Miss Virginia Luce of Norwood, Ohio. Thank you. This is certainly a thrilling experience for me. Well, I know two children who seem pretty excited, too. 13-year-old Lorna Butters, who wrote the letter nominating Sister Mary Edwards, and little eight-year-old Linda McKinley, who nominated Miss Luce. They're here with us, too. <laughs> and now, suppose you all tell us a little bit more about your experiences in winning the Best Teacher Contest. Linda, 
I know how very happy you must have been to find that your teacher, whom you loved so much, was chosen as the most promising teacher of the year. Tell me just exactly what happened in your school. Well, Miss Luce was so excited, and every teacher, why they wanted to know when they would win, if Miss Luce would win. And so they kept asking her, and she said she'd ring the fire bell if she did win. <laughs> and so when she won, she told our principal, Mr. Itali, that she had said she would ring the fire bell, and so he he rang it. Did everybody turn out? <laughs> Did you have a good fire drill that day? Yes. Well, that's wonderful. <laughs> Miss Luce, I know how very happy you must be, too. Oh, I should say I, I just can't express in words how, how thrilled I was when I heard the word and how, how wonderful this whole trip has been to Chicago. Well, I, I think uh, uh, you so well deserve the honor given to you. I've, I've noticed the, the wonderful companionship between you and Linda since you've been here, and uh, I'm sure that she must love you a great deal. I hope you'll have a lovely summer, and I'm sure you will. Thanks. Have you had a nice time since you've been here? Oh, yeah. we, we've just had a wonderful time. We couldn't begin to tell you all the things we've done and all the places we've been. Was it your first trip to Chicago, Linda? Yes. Well, we hope you'll come and see us again. We hope the next occasion will be just as happy a one. Lorna, I know how very pleased you are, too. Would you like to tell us a little bit about the arrival of the news in your school? Well... One of the boys, after he had found the news, ran up and down the street knocking on people's doors and telling them the news that Sister Mary Edward had won. Well, I guess they, they ran out of newspapers, didn't they, Lorna? Yes, another boy took a newspaper from door to door and let the people read it. Well, I a modern Paul Revere, as you said, and <laughs> quite wonderful. Sister Mary Edward, I can't tell you how delighted we are to have you here. Well, I'm just as glad to be here, Miss Allison. This is an honor that no teacher ever expects, but is very happy to receive. Well, it's one so, so richly deserved. You uh, uh, and uh, Lorna, I know, have a, a wonderful, friendly spirit existing between you. Uh, would you like to tell us a little bit about Lorna in school? Well, Lorna is a very fine student and is very cooperative in every way. <coughs> Whenever we wanted something done very well, we'd always see that Lorna would be on the committee because she did everything exceptionally well. Well, I'm sure she did. And our very best wishes go with all of you. And now, Sister Mary Edward, why don't you just take over my desk and you be the chief quitter for a little while. You have a wonderful class. All right, Miss Allison. <clears throat> well, just like any other teacher, I'm proud of all my pupils. And I'd like to ask you quiz kids, what teacher might have been proud of these pupils? Who might have been proud of his pupil, Wolfgang Mozart? Lonnie? Uh, Franz Joseph Haydn. That is correct. Mm -hmm. And how about the pupil, Catherine the Great? Joel? I believe Voltaire taught her. That's right. Oh. See, I told you he had a great class. <laughs> <laughs> They're almost too quick, Miss Allison. All soldiers never die has become quite a familiar quotation the past couple of months. And you might say the same thing about certain famous baseball players of bygone years who are still active in baseball. The player who won the National League batting championship eight times between 1900 and 1911 is still active in Major League Baseball. Do you know who he is and what he is doing now? Pat? I think that would probably be Hannes Wagner of the uh, Pittsburgh Pirates. I think he's a coach with the Pirates now. The coach of whom? Uh, the Pittsburgh Pirates now, I think. All right, thank you. 
What position is now held by the manager who led his team to victory in the 1924 World Series? Joel? Well, I believe that was Bucky Harris, and I think he's still managing the Washington Senators. Very good. You boys certainly know your baseball. How about you, Sister Mary Edward? I understand that uh, you're a baseball fan, too. Well, I've always enjoyed playing baseball, but I don't... Playing baseball? Well, isn't that wonderful? What, uh, what position, Sister, do you most like to play? Well, I usually like to be a pitcher, but I generally end up being an umpire. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm sure that you'd be excellent in either capacity. Now for the next question. Many Father's Day greeting cards have a drawing on the front that is in keeping with the message in the verse. Now suppose that the drawing showed a father playing golf. What sentiments might be included in the verse that would mention golf terms? Naomi? Well, you might say, I hope this card suits you to a T. Very good. <laughs> Lonnie? Uh, well, I don't know. Let's see, I, I hadn't... I didn't have my hand up, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, we just always know that you're thinking of something, Lonnie. That's why well, we called thinking, on you. I, I have a couple of thoughts, but I haven't... <laughs> maybe well, Pat maybe could... you could say that uh, you're a... Well, you might be able to tie it up with a real long drive, in my estimation. And... Sure. <laughs> Fine. I think Pat has something to offer. Well, it's kind of far-fetched. Uh, the card could say, I hope your son is a chip off the old block. You chip a golf shot. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Joel? Oh, you could tell your father that he's way above par. Ah, fine. <laughs> Naomi? You could say, I like you a whole lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, sister, I think that's excellent response. It certainly is. Did very well. Now I'd like to see how quickly you children can identify a certain well-known American woman just from the number of clues I give you. Each is the atomic number of a certain element. If you substitute the chemical symbol for each number, you should be able to figure out who the personality is. Here are the atomic numbers. Nine, 88, and seven. My, they're quick. <laughs> Naomi. Well, um, nine is F for fluorine, and I don't know what 88 is. Pat? Well, uh, 88, I think, is uh, RA for radium. That's I right. think that's what it is. And what's the other one? Seven. Uh, I think that one is, uh, let's see, uh, nitrogen. Uh, so that would give us F, uh, R, A, N. Oh, Fran! <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> We're awfully glad you didn't miss that one. <laughs> they tell me that in the gay 90s, the bicycle built for two was a popular mode of transportation among young people. Can you tell me what romantic couples use the following unusual means of transportation? What bride used a camel in going to meet her bridegroom? Joel? I believe that was Rebecca in the Bible. Can you tell us anything about that, Joel? Well, uh, I think... Uh, I don't remember too much about that. I think uh, that Isaac's father, uh, so yes, Abraham uh, uh, wanted to get his son a wife, so he sent uh, a servant uh, to visit their relatives in the uh, place whence they had come a long time ago, and uh, he found a girl who he thought was very suitable, and then he led her back on a camel. That's right. Pat? Well, I want to add the reason I think he found her suitable was because uh, 
Uh, he wanted water for his camels, I believe, and uh, Rebecca put down her work and uh, said she would water his camels, and he thought that was very fine, and he found out that, with, that uh, she was a relative of uh, the family, so he took her home. It looked like a good thing all the way yes. around. <laughs> <laughs> well, now, Sister Mary Edward, I, I wonder if we shouldn't turn our attention to the fathers and begin quizzing them. Miss Allison, I'd appreciate it if you'd stand by and help me quiz the fathers. You know, I'm used to teaching children, not their fathers. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd be most happy to help you, Sister Mary Edward, though I have a hunch the fathers feel that they're the ones who will need the help. I know you want to meet them, so suppose we have a roll call of the fathers right now. Mr. Conlon? My name is F. Patrick Conlon. I'm a lawyer, and uh, I should have conveniently left town this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> no excuses, sir. Mr. Mr. Cooks? My name is Julius Cooks formerly of Eau Claire, Wisconsin. I'm a department head at Armour & Company, and I won't tell my age. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Kupperman? My name is S.J. Kupperman. I'm an engineer, and since Joel is 15, this is my last appearance on Father's Day. Well, they will make the most of it, Mr. Kupperman. And Mr. Vanderplug? <clears throat> I'm Peter Vanderplug, and I'm an engineer. And Mr. Lundy? I'm Arvid Lundy. I'm a district representative for Detroit Graphite Company. I also am graduating from the Quiz Kid Fathers because <laughs> Lonnie will be too old. But I do have one distinction that nobody else here has on the father's board. I'm a grandpa. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I, I should never have guessed it. And I don't know whether this will help put you fathers at ease or not, but I think you'll be interested to know that all the questions we're about to ask you were once answered by your own children on our program in past years. <laughs> now, would you like to try the first one on them, Sister Mary Edward? Here's your first question, and it sounds like I'm asking you about the livestock market. But actually, all you have to know is your mother goose rhyme to answer it. When was beef the highest? Mr. Lundy? When the cow jumped over the moon. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> When did eggs make their biggest drop? Mr. Conlon? When Humpty Dumpty had his great fall. <laughs> <laughs> and how about pork moving rapidly? Mr. Conlon, I Mr. think. Mr. Conlon certainly knows when his the nursery When the little pig went to the market? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think they're doing very well, don't you? They certainly are. We better get to Sister, a new Sister, shall question. I have a go at them? Okay. All right. We can't have a quiz without a math problem, so fathers, prepare yourself, and here it is. Assume that the world is 25,000 miles in circumference. If you walked around the world at the equator, you wouldn't lose your head, but it would go faster than your feet. Approximately how much farther would the top of your head travel than the soles of your feet if you are five and one-half feet tall? Mr. Kupperman? No, I have to figure. Uh, <laughs> that would be uh, 44 sevenths times uh, 11 over 2, is it? Yeah. No, 22 sevenths over, times 11 over 2, that's uh, 242 over 14, that's 1, 7, and 4 fourteenths, 2 sevenths. 17 and 2 sevenths feet? That is not the answer I have, and Joel is shaking his head, and I wouldn't care if it was the answer. If Joel shakes his head, I always say no. <laughs> Joel, would you like to help your father? Oh, uh, uh, I believe that uh, the, cir uh, the circle would have a ra larger radius 
by uh, twice the height, which would be 2 times 5 and a half or, or 11. And then you'd multiply the 11 uh, times fine. pi. He's to right. It'd be 2 pi r, so it'd be uh, 11 <laughs> times 22 sevenths. That'd be uh, uh, 242 over 7. That'd be uh, 34 and 4 sevenths feet. Thank you, Joel. You've justified <laughs> all my beliefs in you. Well, you know, earlier in the program, we asked your fathers to write a little poem on the subject, The Best Way to Get Along with Mother. We're getting so curious to hear what you men folks have to say on the subject that we just can't wait any longer. So, uh, suppose you read your poems for us right now, and uh, Mr. Kufferman, we'll start with you. The best way to get along with Mother, at least it's easier than any other, just agree with whatever she says, that is the system that I find pays. Later, the subject may be reopened, and another solution I'll recommend. <laughs> All right, and uh, Mr. Lundy? To get along with Mrs. L has never been a task, because she's always done much more than anyone can ask. She's been my girl since I was just a lad of 15 years, and even though she's grandma now, her disposition has no peers. Oh, Along with being a great poet, you're a fine diplomat, too, may I say. <laughs> Mr. Conlon. Uh, not being a good diplomat, I ducked the, the <laughs> subject that you asked to write about. And I wrote, I wrote about who Pat takes after. So it goes as follows. My Pat takes after his mother, at least as to his virtues, true. But Patrick at times is a bother, and his faults to his dad are due. A strained version. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've taken poetic license, but handled it very well. <laughs> Mr. Cook? I'm not so good at writing a poem. In fact, I could do better at home. The best way to get along is not to do anything wrong. Do as she tells you on the double, then you'll never get into trouble. <laughs> I, I've got some more yet. Mr. Vanderpool? Oh, pardon I'm not me. Oh! <laughs> Smile, smile, laugh, and always try. Then Quizkid's fathers will fade away but never die. <laughs> this is not the best of rules in verse. It could be better, but I have heard worse. <laughs> All right, Mr. Vanderplug. The best way to get along with mother is to use a voice that's soft and always to remember an argument is won when it's lost. <laughs> well, I think uh, that we can take one more question. They've done very well with the poetry section. I'm sure you dads have often given advice to your sons and daughters, but we want to see if you can recall what father gave this advice. Neither a borrower nor a lender be, for a loan oft loses both itself and friend, and borrowing dulls the edge of husbandry. Mr. Kupperman, I think, was first. Polonius. Right. We would have been very disappointed because we think that Joel was responsible for that answer in the previous times, and I know Joel's very proud of you. Mr. Cook? That was given to Laertes. <laughs> <laughs> Got it in, too. Well, thank you very much. How about this? If you can fill the unforgiving minute with 60 seconds worth of distance run, yours is the earth and everything that's in it, and which is more... You'll be a man, my son. Mr. Lundy, I think. Uh, that's Rudyard Kipling's if. That is correct. That is right. Well. Hmm. 
And that is the bell, which means that school is over for tonight. Sister Mary Edward, we've enjoyed having you with us, and you did a fine job as chief quitter. I've enjoyed it too, Miss Allison. It's been a real pleasure. And now we have a couple of nice surprises in store for both quiz kids and your fathers. First, you quiz kids will be glad to know that you weren't scored tonight, so we will see all five of you back in class next week. And don't forget you receive a United States savings bond for your future education. And we have a Father's Day surprise for you dads. Here for each of you is an attractive and dependable Whitnour watch in solid gold a distinguished member of the Longines Whitnor family of fine watches. Oh, thank you much. Thank you. <laughs> it is our way of saying Happy Father's Day to you, and we want to send Father's Day greetings to all our listeners who are fathers, too. We hope you've had a wonderful time on your day, and we hope you'll all be back with us next Sunday at this same time. Until then, this is Fran Allison dismissing the quiz kids. Goodbye, kids. Listen to the Quiz Kids Coast to Coast every Sunday evening. And also see and hear the Quiz Kids television program on NBC. Consult your local newspaper for time and station. This is Bill Grisky speaking. <laughs>